The year was 1988. The school was KVHS. It was a, a large school, some 1,500 students. And even though many of us had moved through the ranks together from elementary school through to junior high school and then on into high school, it was season of change. It was, you know, through adolescence and people were beginning to form their life choices, their friendships were adjusting and changing, lifestyles were uh, being formed and formulated for the future, the innocence of youth was often no longer evident, and the friends that I had had that had been very faithful were now choosing different paths that I couldn't go down with the conscience that I had. I felt like my life was at a crossroads, and you know, here I was, and some were going on a journey. They were partying every weekend, and, and that was contrary to what I'd been brought up to believe. That was contrary to what I personally wanted. And I remember that I had choices to make, that there was a fork in the road that was there. I had to go one way or the other. One was maybe friendship, and the other was lonely. One was immoral, the other was moral. And here I remember standing at that crossroads just as a young person. And I remember praying and asking God to send someone by my side that, that would help me on this journey. And God did send somebody. His name was Gary Bartlett. I didn't know at the time that he was my friend. At first, as a matter of fact, I was convinced that he wasn't. He came reluctantly to St. John from here, uh, 1987, 88. His family moved, and he was too young to stay. So here he came to St. John dragging his feet. Now remember, I prayed for someone, someone to be in my school that could be my friend, that would have similar values. But Gary wasn't much like me. He may have had similar values, but he was very much different than me. Neither of us were right in this, but we were different. He wore work boots and I wore penny loafers. He was in the industrial shop wing and I was taking sciences. He wanted to drive truck. I was planning on university. Change happens, doesn't it? We were as different as people could get. So I was certain that this wasn't the person that God had sent to that earnest teenage prayer that had been prayed. I had friends that were in the church. Peter Long and I were wonderful friends. And so when, <clears throat> when Gary came along, here we were, and he said, well, what do you guys like doing? Well, we said, well, we like going shopping. <laughs> like, you could not get his eyes further rolled back in his head. <laughs> I remember he, he later told me that he went home and he exclaimed to his mom, they like shopping! <laughs> he was convinced that was the biggest waste of time. I, I, you know, and so this divide began early. I thought he had a big mouth. He thought I was arrogant. He, he was the new kid on the block. I was the old died in the wall of 16, 17 years of age. I envied him and his long list of friends from all the places that he had lived and here I was still in that small locale where I grew up. 
but perhaps he envied the stability I had. And I remember before there was ever friendship, there was tons of friction that kind of culminated one night. We were all at the McDonald's in St. John at Rosse Avenue and somehow we had got into an argument and I remember that he was threatening to punch me in the face and I was threatening to do the same to him. And we were toe to toe, heavyweights. He probably came in at 119 pounds and I probably was 120. He had longer arms and he was taller and longer reach so I'm pretty sure he would have won. But a stiff wind would have blown us both away. And so there we were. And I remember us both kind of realizing maybe we respected the other's refusal to back down or maybe we realized that this was just absolutely stupid. Maybe, maybe, maybe we were maturing. I doubt it, but maybe. But I do remember that from that moment forward, we became friends. I do remember that instead of defining the differences, we began to celebrate the things that we enjoyed. And the no contact during classes became connection. And maybe even there was a couple of days when we decided that we'd just take class off altogether and head into town. We went from being ready to fight to being the best of friends. We both bought motorcycles. We enjoyed the outdoors. We both enjoyed hunting. We worked together on the church building in the St. John uh, United Pentecostal Church project. And, and I remember that in those critical years, there were some decisions that made, I think, that defined the future. And I remember talking to those friends, those foes that became friends and saying, I think I'm going to go to Bible college this year. And I did. And as God began to direct the path for my future, the following year, he and Peter Long and my sister and Tammy and a whole group of kids from St. John joined us at Bible college. And what was foes became lifelong friends. Peter and he came to the Bible college and before long, our rooms were side by side. There, they roomed together, and I had the room next to them down here on the, the dorm, the men's dorm on McGloin Street, and it's looking a little better maybe than it did then. No complaints. We had a great time. But if uh, I don't know if it's still there, if the rooms are still the same, you'll find that between <clears throat> their closed closet and the bottom, there is a, a little pass-through, and that we could pass through our rooms without ever opening our doors. Because the, the legal law of NCC or UPBI at the time was lights out at 10 p.m. So the lights may be out, but we were still able to connect. And if anybody knocked on my door, we just slipped through the little porthole, opened the door. And they knocked on their door, I would slip out of the, you know, it was just kind of this back and forth. We were, we were connected. We were friends. And I, I remember that we... We lived together, we prayed together, we sang together, and the strength that came from what originally was a foe that became friend was powerful. There was something that had to happen, though. The Bible tells us this in John 15. Jesus is giving uh, instruction to his disciples about a commandment. He said, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. There's the commandment, and then he gives some explanation to the commandment. He said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. 
It was a non-negotiable in Jesus' eyes. It was absolute requirement. It's undismissible. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And love becomes the highest law. And the great gift of friendship is that it opens the door to love. Because, <clears throat> because that, that love that God commands us to have for one another, the, the great gift of friendship is that it opens the door for us to love. Not, not love that's convenient. Not love because it benefits. Not, not love because there's something in it for me. It's, it's about laying down our lives. Does anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? Anyone have to climb off your high horse before you ever realize what there was greatness in store for you? You, you had to kind of to step down. Maybe, maybe Gary stepped down. Maybe I stepped down. I think we both stepped down from whatever immature position we had taken. But in that stepping down, in that laying down of our lives, because that's kind of what it's about. And, and I know, I, I know the picture that Jesus is painting. He's speaking his to his disciples about a, a cross at Calvary. He's speaking about a life that would be lost for the lives of many to be gained. And, and we're going to celebrate the power of that cross and the, the power of the blood and baptism this morning because that's what it's all about. We're rejoicing about the power of love like that. That's what Jesus was talking about. He was communicating that. But but I think he was also talking about our ability to lay down our lives. And, and, and uh, we know that we've, we've had people, even in our church family, they, that we have people that serve in capacities and EMTs and police officers. And we've got firefighters and, and we've got nurses and, and people that lay down their lives in the sake, for the sake of others in, in times where it's inconvenient. And, and, and we, could you just give those folks a hand clap this morning? I, I think that'd be perfectly in order. I... I think that'd be all right. So we've had people literally do that in times when it demanded it. And, and our prayer would be that we all would be willing to do, to do that. But sometimes I think that the laying down of our life isn't in the one that we lose this life. It's the laying down of our preferences and our priorities. And our ideas of ideals. So that we can benefit others around us. Without a doubt, the people that have given their lives is a powerful thing. But I think when someone lays down their life and still lives to benefit others is an equally powerful thing. Paul challenges us in, in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, you know, I like a newer version. It's a little clearer perhaps. He speaks about love. He said, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. He said, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stakes to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. And somewhere in that verse right there, you see that we have this opportunity to lay our life down while we're still alive in the place called love. That we get to love people and we get to reach into our community that desperately needs people to love them right now. We, we, we've got to be, you know, not just love that throws a quarter out, out of the car window. I'm talking about a love that reaches and, and assists and pulls people along. People in your life right now that are struggling. God's inviting you to lay down your life to love them. And somewhere in that exchange... This great promise, this great gift of friendship comes into being because when you love, love is this two-way street. 
that you benefit in a way that you could never imagine. And that gift that comes through friendship is realized in lives. Paul went on to say, love, love never gives up. It doesn't care for uh, more for others than for, love cares for others more than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. It doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with everything. It trusts God always. It always looks for the best. It never looks back. It keeps going until the end. Love never dies. And it's Jesus in that first verse, and music, you can come back. I'm getting ready to close. It's Jesus in that first verse that lets us know that there are levels of love. There must be a lesser level. Actually, praise team, just stay back until I call you out because we've got a video we want to show in just a sec. There must be a lesser level of love because he declares that there is a greater love. And you can't operate at the level of greater love until and unless you invite people into your life. The great gift of friendship is that it opens the door to love. Somehow in, in giving in some way that you will never receive, God says, in that moment, you're opening this door to greater love. Luke 11, verse 5 through 9 <clears throat> says, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is in his journey. First of all, um, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but how many are thankful for that friend that comes to you at midnight? <laughs> Got a couple more like me, actually most of the church. And so it's kind of this question, Jesus says, uh, which of you shall have a friend? Shall go to him at midnight? <clears throat> Don't do that. Unless it's absolutely necessary. Thank God for the Irving convenience store. But in this verse, it says <clears throat> that you would say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine. And his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And he says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And, and he begins to speak about sometimes friendship is inconvenient. Sometimes friend, friendship costs you something. Sometimes friendship requires something of you. The, the scene that we just read about describes in this parable a, a single room peasant house where the whole family sleeps together on a mat on the floor and a man traveling by night to avoid the heat of the day ends up coming too late for someone to be prepared. But because there are friends, because friendship is this two-way street and because, you know, it says something about the guy that has his door shut and he's in bed which is where you should be at midnight. Mom always said, nothing much good happens after midnight. Didn't get a big amen there from all the parents I was hoping for. There you go. The reason for the friend's request was hospitality. It, was, it wasn't just kindness. It wasn't just 
well, we, I guess we're going to party now. It was, it was a sacred duty through the Mediterranean and the ancient world that, that when a friend came in, in that world, there was a responsibility that rested on you. And, and this friend had a friend. He didn't, he didn't know how to meet the need, but he was connected to a community that he knew, I, I know this is un. I know this is unusual, I know it's unwanted, I, I know it's not convenient, but I, I got to go. And I'm going to knock on Pastor Matt's door at midnight and say, listen, you know that coffee machine you got that makes really good coffee that I can't even buy anywhere in town? I, I, I'm just wondering if you could pull a few shots of that for me. And he'd say, Jack, we're already in bed. And if I wake the girls up, I said, yeah, but I'm going to keep knocking until. Now he may spring out of bed. I'm going to guess, yet because of my importunity, yet because of my insistence, and yet because of the responsibility that I had, and I had nowhere else to go, and no one else that could meet the need, and, and because I was willing to reach out, and because I was willing to go somehow in that, in that place of friendship, God helps us meet the need of others. And that is what Jesus is. He's talking about prayer and the, the power of prayer, but really he's also giving us the illustration of friendship because that is what happens when we work together in a community and I just wanted to remind everybody that somebody here cares so much about you that they will do anything they can to help you today welcome to a room full of friends this morning our world has shifted not just to convenience stores but to a culture of convenience where friendship is birthed out of mutually beneficial friendships and the question is what's in it for me and the question is asked is it toxic for me is this friendship toxic do you have toxic friends have you ever wondered if maybe the toxic friend that God has placed in your life is there because you are the one that can help detox them I'm not in I'm not encouraging people to be in bad relationships where people are abused emotionally or physically. I'm not, I'm not encouraging that, but I am saying that, that sometimes God places people in our path. God places a Gary Bartlett in the path of a Jack Lehman, and even though we didn't realize that the need that perhaps was in both of our lives is met because God allowed us to connect to a community of believers that can work together and impact our world and change our futures. And, and I'm thankful for a God like that who opens the door to a greater gift that we could ever buy or receive. He opens the door through friendship to this level, this greater love available to us. Friendship opens the door to personal inconveniences, yes, and it broadens the circle of your responsibilities, and friendships mean laying down your life. But perhaps not in the way that we lose it and we're gone, but we lay down our lives in the sense that we can truly help someone on their journey 
because God has blessed ours. That is the power of friendship. I'm I'm getting ready to close, but we're so moved on Friday evening and I wrestled with the idea of bringing this need to this group this morning because we've invited you. It's kind of like saying, would you like to come over for a barbecue and then when you get there, you find out that there's a garage to clean before we get to it? So glad you're here because I need your help. No. But I was so moved. We were so moved and we wrestled with the idea to bring this need to you this morning and thank you ushers for being willing to but I wanted to share a bit of this story with you today because it represents what I had prepared to preach Jeff and Brenda Mallory Jeff is an MK grew up in the Philippines he told part of their story on Friday evening his cancer journey when God took him from being a powerful pastor in Hawaii someone say Honolulu No, it was Maui, actually. When we were kids, we'd always say that. Someone say, Honolulu. I want to go there. But he was a successful pastor, beautiful home, growing church. And he finds out that he has stage four cancer. And he's invited to be part of a study by one of the greatest doctors in that field of cancer that he had that he had and he goes and he tells his wife that if God allows him to leave that bed and live then then he would face life without fear and he would walk through doors that were open and he would live life unrestricted and and they did God answered their prayers and through the help of doctors and the miracle that occurred in his life. They were with us on Friday night and they shared with us their their story of incredible odds and a great God that moved and ministered and healed. And thank God for that. But then they told another part of the story that was equally moving to me because they then turned to one another and said, what does our stuff matter? And they sold everything that they had and their home and all of their possessions. And and they returned to the place where he had been with his parents who had been called to the Philippines. And their determination was to start an orphanage. And, And I'd just like to take a moment, and we can dim the lights, all of them again. And I'd I'd just like to take a moment if you've got it's 1051, and I literally have one verse after this, or three verses, one portion of scripture. But I wonder if you just pause and if you would take a moment and look what God can do when someone is willing to lay down their life. Watch this.
while the Philippines is beautiful and gracious, there is more to the story. We didn't go there for the beauty. We went there for the millions left behind. The Philippines is a nation of 110 million people spread across 7,000 islands. Metro Manila has over 20 million people. We could say a lot about the city we love, but for the purposes of this video, there are approximately 3.5 million homeless, of which 1.5 million are children. While this is heartbreaking, the more than 300,000 orphans or abandoned children is beyond unthinkable. Meet Alvin. There were many children begging that day, but he stood out to us because of his shirt. Our cameras followed him home and found this story. His father died several years ago and he rarely sees his mother. He lives on the remains of the old Manila landfill known as Smoky Mountain. He spends his time begging and digging through the trash, living mostly on his own. These are the invisible ones. They live in the shadows, trying to survive in a world of predators, alone, hoping someone will find them. The realities of their lives are so horrific that we rarely tell the whole story. Because our sheltered minds shut down and reject what we've heard, it's too terrible to be true. The more we are involved with these people going into these very dark places, the more we are impressed by the power of hope they were born with nothing. They have nothing. They only know this. Yet, somehow they still hope for something they've never seen. It's as though God planted a seed of hope deep down in their hearts. And if you water that hope and give it a chance, they flourish. When all the trash has been picked through and the children strip down and jump into the sewage, they fill with their hands and feet for plastic bottles and cups to sell. After working all day in the sewage, they come out with a few pennies. They should be going to school, beginning a life with hope for tomorrow. But instead, it's another trip up Smoky Mountain. Could it be that Alvin finds the courage to keep on climbing this seemingly hopeless mountain every single day because somewhere in his little heart, he believes that help is on the way? Nothing in his world gives him the assurance of this. However, even in his condition, he believes he's worth saving. For years, we've organized meals and snacks, but dropping off some food every now and then isn't what they need. They need someone to care for them. They need positive role models. They need mentors. They need love. What they need, they need a miracle. The miracle for some of them is called Hope Village, one and a half hours south of Manila in the beautiful countryside. We are opening in an orphanage, and at first, we will be able to house 24 girls ages 3 to 12. Our goal is to get these girls adopted as soon as possible. We're focusing on girls first because it's just worse for girls. I'm sure you believe with us these little girls deserve a good and safe home.
is that incredible or what? And uh, we just wanted to share that opportunity. There's no obligation on the part of anybody. And thank you, CCC, for already responding. And we are sending $10,000 to, to them. And it's a, a direct link that we have with that family. If two people could immediately start and impact 24 girls and then think about those 24 girls impacting families and then the future that becomes bright because of the goodness of God but someone was willing to lay to lay down their lives and, and say you know what I, I got a picture of what could be and I've got an idea about what might happen and I'm just going to launch off. Brother, Brother Mallory said, Jeff said that he and Brenda were at dinner and God had planted that seed in her mind a long time ago and they were at dinner with some friends and she just said, I, I believe that God's going to help us start an orphanage in the next year. And he's like, well, yeah, he will. But here we are on this side of that. And what God has done is so marvelous. But I, my question today is how many more Jeff and Brenda's are in the room and how many more of us could impact our world because we're willing? Greater love, greater love is waiting right there, but it requires, the requirement is a laying down of our life. And feel free to fill out an envelope on your way out or the giving slide maybe at the end of service will pop it up but the great gift of friendship is this great door this greater love that God opens to us because we're willing and and it's his friendship in our lives that God transformed and changed us he loved us when we were unlovable and he lived out the very command that he required of us he said that one would have to lay down their lives. And then the challenge comes in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He laid down his life and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But in that giving and in that great example of love, the Bible tells us, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're going to see baptisms happen in Jesus' name this morning. But the challenge is still there, lingering in the air. How much better would our world be if we all walked through life willing to lay down our lives for others? I think Jesus knows what the world would be and the impact we could make simply because that's why and that's how he challenged us to live. It's been our tremendous... I, I don't want to leave heavy. I'm excited about what's happening in the Philippines. We were trying to... We're trying to just kind of, wasn't bait and switch this morning, but I, you know, I, I, I chatted with Pastor Woodward and I chatted with team, talked together about it. And, 
And I said, it's, it's, it's really who we are. It's who we are. That moves this church. Missions. We never ask for an offering for anything that happens here. We've never asked for an offering for the building. We've never asked for an offering for the property. We've never asked for an offering for a new new lights or new projectors or new anything. The only thing we've ever come to CCC for is we've said, look, here's a need that we're aware of on the field. Would you be willing to give? And, and our church has responded. But I, I would love, I, I would love to be a part. I would love to sow seed into that vision and that mission. And so we invite you to take part in that. But more than that, how much could we do in our own community? How much reaching could we do? How much loving can we do? And it happens when we are willing to lay down our lives, our agendas, adjust our calendars, put some margin in all of our activities so that we have room and time to touch others. Stand together with me if you would this morning. It's been my distinct honor to greet you today, to present the word and the challenge that comes to us from God's word. And I'd like to pray with us together before we leave. And we're going to sing a few songs and we're going to go ahead and dismiss and there's going to be a baptism family and friends are welcome to stay. But I wonder if we could just pause and allow the challenge to come. We're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. But before we step into that environment, could we just pause for a moment in this and ask that the Lord would speak to us. God, I'm so thankful that friends have joined us this morning on this friend day. Thank you, Father, for the connections and the community that we get to be a part of. I thank you for innumerable blessings. I thank you for the gifts that we can't measure and we can't calculate that are just loaded into our lives. But love that comes with a responsibility and it comes with a challenge and a willingness to lay that down so we could live through love in the world around us. I pray that you would leave us with that challenge this morning. Let it be a part of what happens in the next week and in the month ahead, in the years. And Father, our prayer, our request, our, our hope today is that we would impact the world beyond this moment because of the time that we've had together in your presence and you've challenged and you changed something you you just made an adjustment and with the willingness that someone has to lay down their life God I pray that you would change the world through them open the door to the greatness of love open the door God to that greater love that's available to all of us I pray in your precious and in your powerful name we ask would you say amen Amen. Why don't we sing a chorus together?